Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast we do care about the Green Bay Packers. And we don't care about anything else. Let's go. Alright, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. We are going to be previewing today the Packers' upcoming game against the New York Jets. And let's jump right into the storylines. The first one is that the Packers are coming off of a terrible, terrible game against New York. They played well in the first half, but were totally outclassed in the second half, both in the coaching and player department and now it is time for the Packers to rebound Uh, I'm going to get into the defensive and offensive things that I think need to be adjusted including some more in-depth reflection on the last game you know having days to re-watch everything listen to players and coaches speak but that is the that is the big first key the Packers losing a game that they should not have lost the second is that the Jets are coming off some very nice weeks which is not something that happens too often for that franchise last week the Jets blew out the Dolphins who yeah they had a third string quarterback but overall that's a good team when their top two quarterbacks aren't injured they managed to pull off a comeback win against the Pittsburgh Steelers and then before that of course they had the incredible comeback against the Browns so Jets are feeling good. They're going to come into Lambeau with confidence. I have no doubt about that. And the Packers need to get any winning thoughts out of their heads. Do not let them hang around. The Packers are far more talented. In fact, if you were to rank teams in the NFL, power rankings based on purely talent, there's probably a 20 to 25 team gap between the Packers and the Jets. So got to win this football game. Uh, The injury report, that is the sort of next portion of the storyline segment I always discuss. Uh, today's Wednesday, so of course we only have one sort of section on the injury report. There were there was a very small injury report actually for both teams. David Bakhtiari, of course, with a knee, he was a limited participant. Tipa Nalii with a hamstring did not participate. Elton Jenkins, knee, of course, limited participant. Aaron Rodgers with a right thumb injury did not participate. Christian Watson, the hamstring injury that he sort of tweaked again against New York, did not participate. And Devonte Wyatt with a quad injury. It was a limited participant. On the Jets' side, Dwayne Brown, their tackle, limited with a shoulder injury. Jermaine Johnson, their pretty top uh, 26 overall pick or something like that. Jermaine Johnson did not participate with an ankle injury. Carl Lawson, limited with an ankle injury. And then C.J. Mosley, limited with a hip injury. And Quincy Williams, also a limited participant with an ankle injury. So... The very, very minimal injury reports there. Watson still seemingly dealing with a ham- hamstring injury. That's kind of concerning. You know, it prevented him from playing against Tampa, and now he seemed to tweak it again. I just want him to be okay, man. He's so explosive. If he gets on the same page as Rodgers, he can be really exciting. He has about as much talent as you can have as a receiver. So super excited for him. Um, Rodgers, he, he's sort of the other notable guy on the report. You know, Bach and Elton, we all knew would be on the report. Uh, Rodgers is he's supposed to be fine for Sunday according to LaFleur the thumb injury I think he said on the Pat McAfee show was endured 
uh, during the attempted Hail Mary where he got strip sacked, but he's supposed to be okay. You know, if he's, if it's so bad that he didn't participate today, that might be something to, to monitor, but I just, I hope he's fine. And other news, Kylan Hill is back for the Green Bay Packers. You know, he was put on the PUP list, but he has returned and that is so fun. It's sneaky, great news because he was so fun. He was so explosive last year. So it's great to see him out on the practice field again. Just awesome to see. Now, what else? Well, the last storyline is that this game is a is a family affair, okay? Matt LaFleur, he is, as you all know, the Packers head coach. Mike LaFleur, he is the Jets offensive coordinator and is also Matt LaFleur's brother. And Robert Sala is the Jets head coach and is one of Matt LaFleur's best friends in the world. So... Pretty tight-knit group there. Clearly a lot of connections going on. I don't think it's going to change much in terms of how weird the game is. You know, who knows? Matt LaFleur said he talks to Sala on a regular basis, talks to his brother pretty much every day. Stop doing that this week because, uh, well, they're playing each other. So, I don't know. That, that's just kind of a cool, cool story. And, okay, overall, what is going on? Well, overall, the Packers need to control this game. The Jets, as I mentioned, they're a frisky bunch. They are capable of pulling off a comeback if given the opportunity. So the Green Bay Packers are going to need to control this game. And I think they're going to need to control it on the ground. Just they have to make sure that every single time that they get the ball, they're going on long claw controlling drives that take the air right out of the Jets offense because that is how you prevent the Jets from coming back. On defense, you just have to dictate. And I know I'm asking a lot of Joe Barry here, but you are playing Zach Wilson, who... You know, he's, he's played fine to well recently, but he is not a good quarterback. You have to make sure that he's aware of him not being very good by pres- pressuring him, rushing his decisions, forcing mistakes, because he can make any throw on the field. He has that kind of arm talent, but he can't process things too quickly. So I want to see them scheme things up. You know, let's be honest, it's Joe Barry's not going to do that, but whatever. That's what I would like to see them do. Now, I'm going to try out an extra segment. Okay, it's called Extra Diagnosis. And maybe I'm going to continue to do it, maybe not. Maybe I'm only going to do it some days, maybe after losses where there's a lot to break down. But basically here, I'm going to discuss what went wrong last game. After having time to rewatch the game, listen to people talk, all that stuff. So, offense. There's a lot to talk about here. But overall, things are not as bad as they seem. And now I'm going to go into sort of an offensive breakdown of the Packers, what they run, because it's it's very useful to know. If you know, you can probably skip ahead like three minutes in the video or in the podcast. But this is just a very simple, simple explanation. So the Green Bay Packers, the, in the most simple way possible, run a Kyle Shanahan system. That is a... That means they are a run-dominated team, and they use play action and the quick passing game off of the run with their explosive plays coming when a defense commits to stopping the run, and then they can take advantage of that by passing. The LaFleur system with Rodgers is more specifically uh, sort of an evolution of the Shanahan scheme, where they add in more of the RPO quick passing game. So a lot of the not a lot of the, some of the plays where you would be under center, they might go back in a shotgun and add an, an RPO aspect where rather Rogers has the choice to hand the ball off 
or throw it based on what he's reading after he snaps the ball between when Jones is getting to the ball and when Jones is taking the ball. So that is that is sort of the way their offense works, where some teams like the 49ers, where Kyle Shanahan coaches, where some teams like them would run the ball regardless. Uh, LaFleur and Rodgers have also established a pre-snap system that is designed to fully exploit defenses. So Rodgers can read the defense and he can say, I'm going to check to a passing play. It's just that, it, I mean, other teams have this too, of course, but Rodgers and LaFleur like to install this a lot. And this is an oversimplification, but basically a lot of their plays have a run and pass option built into it. Again, these plays are usually called from the shotgun, and this is why you see Rodgers a lot more in the shotgun than maybe a traditional Shanahan scheme, because they think that this is the best way to use Rodgers. Running the football, yes, but also letting him make plays from the shotgun more than someone like Jimmy G can. And so, with this scheme, you often get drives like we saw in the second half against New England, and in the first half against both the Giants and the Bucks, where you have long clock-controlling drives where the running game works well, and the Shanahan system is totally reliant on a coach's ability to draw up plays, especially in the run game. And Lafleur, along with Shanahan and McVay, is one of the best in the league at that. So their running plays tend to work really well. And we've seen it this year, their running game works really well. Now, off of these runs on the successful drives, they play around with the quick passing game. You see this a lot. You see LaFleur leaking a tight end into the flat. He gets the ball quickly there, rips off eight. You see a lot of quick slants to Alan Lazard. And then you get some explosives that come off play action. You add the Sammy Watkins explosive in week one against the Bears. You have some run after catch by receivers. Randall Cobbs had a couple of those this year. And that is what drives look like in a Packers offense when it's at its best. In the second half against New York, here's what happened. You had a lot of plays, as I mentioned, where there are run and pass option. And if the defense loads the box, then Rodgers tends to audible to a pass play because what Rodgers is reading is that if there are more people in the box, there are obviously fewer defensive backs. And so Rodgers can attempt to take advantage of that and that is the idea of this you know pass and run option built into every play and watching back the game they took a lot of explosive shots where they were really really close to hitting them but they were just off and so what happens then is you've gotten away from the running ability because you think you can exploit the defense but you can't exploit them as well as you thought you could because of failure to execute. And so you end up, you know, you end up with a second half collapse. And the question now becomes, how do you fix that? How do you fix this inability to what looks like stick with the run game, but realistically is a philosophy that works when everyone is playing well, but doesn't at other times. And so for one, I would suggest that you call more run plays even into a loaded box okay if the running game is working so well and it was against the giants then even into loaded boxes you should pound the ball and force the giants to stop it because the packers loaded boxes didn't necessarily stop saquon barkley right that they, they do plenty of times but they don't always um and so that's that's a key that's a key i think lafleur and rogers just need to commit a little bit more to it and 
they don't need to outsmart them. They don't need to jump away from the run game as soon as the defense shows that they're aware of it. They should stick with it until the defense shows that they can stop it. Then the other thing is just execution. And Ben Solak had a great piece on this. The Packers don't quite have the players, and they don't have people who are playing at the level that they need to be for their philosophy to work with the, we're going to exploit a defense when they, you know, load, load the box. And that is because of Rodgers missing some throws, and it's also because of a lack of chemistry between Rodgers and his receivers. Dobbs, Watson, they're both rookies, you know. Um, Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard are really the only two guys who have some real chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. So you get a lot of routes that you see where, and Rodgers talked about this in his post game, where the receivers don't run the way he expects it to, and so the ball is off. And that has really cost them this year because there have been a lot of explosives that are really so close to uh, to happening, and they just they can't quite get there, whether it be Dobbs and Winfrey running into each other in Tampa Bay or uh, Romeo Dobbs, he had some legal contact on this route, but, you know, failing to execute the way Rodgers wanted it to, and Rodgers missing the throw. And I think all of that's going to come with time, and I think when it does, this offense is going to be really damn good, but I think that is sort of why they're having the issues that they're having right now. Now defense. Here's the bigger issue. Because with the offense, the scheme's great, the idea of the scheme and the philosophy's great, the execution just isn't quite there. The defense... I think there's a bigger issue. And right off the bat, I'm going to say defense is a bit more complex. Okay. I find it harder to understand defense, but I'm going to do my best to break it down here. Let's get it right out in the open. The Packers have some players who need to play better. Okay. And I'm going to jump into a lot of stuff after this, but first I'm going to just say this. Devonda Campbell hasn't looked great. Quay Walker, he makes rookie mistakes. He's, he's looked good, but he makes rookie mistakes. Eric Stokes is just fine. He hasn't been great. And Darnell Savage looks like he's on skates and might just be a lost cause at this point. But aside from that, you have, and even with those guys, you have a huge amount of talent on this defense. And when you have as much talent as they do, and they might be the most talented defense in the NFL, and you can't execute, that comes down to scheme. Joe Barry, he runs the Vic Fangio system. And the idea of that defense is to not give up explosive plays so they play this too high safety cloud come in with a bunch of bare fronts and they keep their guys well off the line of scrimmage joe barry loves to do that you might have noticed doesn't really blitz that much joe barry doesn't vic fangio probably blitz more than joe barry did and they don't necessarily like to have heavy blocks because that means of course fewer dbs in coverage which is a recipe to give up explosive plays then what the defense is supposed to do and what Joe Barry really, really loves to force the offense to do is march down the field in, you know, 15 plays or so and be patient. And that's fine. And there have been some really, really great defenses that have worked this way. I mentioned Vic Fangio. He's been really good. He was good for when he was coordinating for the Bears. He was not a good head coach for the Broncos, but his defenses were always good on the Broncos. And Brandon Staley for the for the Rams, he looked he was a really good DC. Now, however, you get something different in the Packers defense than you got in those defenses. And that is in those defenses, they knew how to adjust. And more importantly, they played kind of differently based on their offense. That's something Bill Belichick is so good at. And it's something that Barry is really bad at. He refuses to use his players 
in a way that they would be best utilized, in a way that they would be best utilized against a certain team, and that results in games like you got against New York. So let's start up front for me to sort of show what I mean. Up front is actually where Barry's probably the best. He is at least somewhat willing to adjust uh, in the front you know, seven or so. And that can be by loading the box when a team is running the ball well. That can be by putting in a five-man line. That can even be by sending blitzes. And I think having a ton of talent up front really helps Barry in this area. But overall, the the front four or front seven, it isn't too bad. I think that um, he, you can't expect Barry to scheme up too much. He's just not that guy. I'm sorry. I wish he were, but he's not. And so... The front four is not is not the main issue. A more elite defensive coordinator, or Raheem Morris maybe, could scheme up an exotic blitz pressure. Barry can't do that. He did against the Niners playoff game, and this is sort of a side note. LaFleur challenged him to come up with exotic looks that they'd never seen. He did it, and it resulted in the Niners not scoring a single offensive touchdown. But, you know, either way, the defensive front, not not the biggest issue right now. They can get after the quarterback because of a phenomenal talent up front. They can stop the run, again, because of the phenomenal talent up front. And, you know, when they don't, Barry is definitely more willing to adjust than he is with this second part of the defense, and that is the secondary. And there are a bunch of issues here. First, Barry plays his quarterbacks well off the line of scrimmage, and that lets opposing offenses get away with whatever they want. And this word has been thrown a lot. But can Joe Barry just please learn to dictate, to take control, to control what the offense does, not let the offense control what he does? And Stokes, he has great makeup speed. He has a lanky body. He's a phenomenal athlete, and he's really good in press coverage. Jair is great everywhere. Rasul Douglas is a damn good outside press cornerback. But Barry leaves Jaw and Stokes so far off the line of scrimmage that they can't easily make plays which is part of the reason that the crossers are so deadly against his defense. Then he puts Rasul Douglas in the slot where he is not best utilized because he's more of a physical cornerback. So that is in itself one big issue, right? Barry has a way that he likes to play his guys and he keeps them like that. A lot of it being playing corners off the line of scrimmage. Rasul Douglas, he is a really good outside corner. But at this point, that may never change because Joe Barry is unwilling to adjust. Jair Alexander, he's good everywhere from a coverage standpoint, but putting him in the slot might let him fly around and make plays on the football. And that is kind of the second issue. It's Joe Barry not willing to use the players the way they're best utilized, the way it looks like they're best utilized. And the other two issues relate to communication and predictability. Barry's scheme is dependent on zone coverage and that makes his defense very predictable unlike with Petten's scheme offenses don't really get shown too many different looks which means that the Packers are they're very predictable and they're easy to exploit in that aspect that's one issue because the offense knows what they're going to do and they it usually works but then the secondary also doesn't communicate very well which is an absolute killer for a scheme that relies on zone coverage where people have to be capable of passing off routes. And so where this defense's struggles really come in is when Barry, you know, continues to do what he does, but the guys can't communicate. And so offenses just send crosses around, crosser, crossing routes across the field, and it picks up like 20 to 25 yards every time. That is the major issue. So how can, how can we improve? 
dictate by pressing by pressing receivers be less predictable you know mix in some man coverage i would really like to see some more man coverage that would address this point of not using players as best as they can be used because your cornerback strengths are in man coverage and stress communication because that's another issue overall again i said it before this defense is probably the most talented defense on paper but they just are not playing the way they need to be and a side note Real quickly, when firing Petten, LaFleur was so big on pressing receivers at the line and gang tackling, so hopefully LaFleur still believes in all that and he's going to get in Joe Barry's ear about it. Um, remember, Petten was not as higher. Joe Barry is. He wants Joe Barry to succeed. Now let's jump right into the offensive notes. That was a that was a little tangent. That was an additional segment. We'll see if we keep adding that one in. It'll probably only uh, come in some weeks. But let's jump into the offensive notes. So... My first one is pound the rock. The last game, LaFleur and Rodgers, they tried to get too smart by exploiting coverages, right? You saw the big explosives, and they didn't work, and then the Giants got back in the game because of the three and outs. And if the Jets start stopping the running game, fine. Pivot before it's too late. But until then, just go with it, okay? You can get your shot plays in on second and one, and that's, that's fine. Go for it. But I really want them to go with what's working, and what's working is usually the ground game. Elton Jenkins has been so good in the run-blocking department. Runyon looks good in the run-blocking department. Myers looks fine, pretty good in the run-blocking department. He has some really nice plays. He gets some really good push on some others. He's not as good. And then Royce Newman, he looks better in run-blocking as far as I'm concerned than pass-blocking. So it's the strength of your offensive line. Please, please use it. Please use it. And I think by sticking with the run, you're not going to allow the Jets to get control of the game and to come back like they have in so many previous weeks. That is is why they should stick with the run game. Oh, and then a a side note, it is basically the definition of Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's, which is just another way of saying that football is about getting the ball to your best players, not scheming everything up. It's about the Jimmy's and Joe's not the X's and O's. So get the ball to your best player, give it to Aaron Jones, give it to A.J. Dillon, and go from there. And then my second key is starting fast. And as I mentioned, the Jets are feeling good, okay? They want to come out, they want to punch the Packers in the mouth, but the best way to avoid being punched in the mouth, punch them first, okay? If you start on defense, get an instant three and out. But if you start on offense, march down the field and score a freaking touchdown. And we all know far too well that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, the famous quote. So make sure that it's the Jets' plan that falls apart because of the Packers' punch and not the other way around. My defensive notes, my first note, dictate. Just please, dear God, Joe Barry, learn how to dictate. And for an instant, for a millisecond, it seems like the pack. It seemed like the Packers wanted to dictate against Bailey Zappi. What a hilarious name when he first came in right? It seemed like that's what they were doing. And then in the second half, they just kind of went away from it. They went back to their soft zone coverage garbage. And I really just want to see them pressure Zach Wilson. You know, it can be with blitzes and, or it can be by making sure he can't take the easy underneath completions by pressing receivers. But, and I understand that this is going away from Joe Barry's scheme and that it will never fully happen, but I just hope that he begins to mix in more press coverage and more blitzes. And hopefully, 
he learns how to do that because that is how you control games as a defense and you can't be scared with the talent on this defense it is going to be far more far more beneficial for them to play aggressive because right now they have one interception like seven pass breakups just to be clear Rasul Douglas last year had like a five grain stretch where he had I think four interceptions and nine pass breakups all by himself five game stretch so Joe Barry's not being nearly as aggressive as I think he should be and I hope that he starts doing that in this game also move your guys around okay Garrett Wilson he plays in the slot a lot he is their obvious number one guy and so while I do not expect in any way for Jair Alexander to shadow Garrett Wilson because I mean he's not that good and Joe Barry's shown that he doesn't like doing that this might be a week where you get Jair in the slot more I think you know you can better utilize Rasul Douglas outside and I think Jair Alexander is going to be damn good in the slot. My second, Davinsky, stop Brees Hall. Okay, we've got another running back matchup here. And like with the Giants, the Jets have a good running back. He's not as good as Saquon Barkley. He is a rookie, but he exploded. Exploded last week against the Dolphins. 197 yards from scrimmage, I believe, a touchdown. And he was a major part of their game plan. If he runs well, well, nothing that the Packers do with their secondary is going to matter too much. So, Joe Barry, stop him, just like you did with Barkley. You did a damn good job of that, I will say, for all the crap that I've been, you know, flinging over you. You did a really good job stopping Barkley last week, so do that again. With Michael Fleur and and uh, the Shanahan system in New York, I expect the Jets to run Brees Hall, so I hope the defensive front can play like it did last game. And if the Jets are running it well, I hope that Barry's going to adjust and he's going to stop. Brees Hall, I think what's that? that's going to put more pressure on Zach Wilson, as it always does when your quarterback can't rely on the running game. And that, again, brings me back to my first point, dictate. So though that's what I want to see the offense and defense do. Overall, a game this is that you really need to bounce back in. You really, really just need to get another W. It's a game you have to win. This is a must-win game. It's, it's not a must-win game, but <laughs> if you lose to the Giants and Jets back-to-back weeks, that's terrible. Now, let's go quickly to players to watch. My first, Alan Lazard. He has been a freaking really good receiver this year. He's not a top 10 wide receiver, but he is a phenomenal piece. And now, he's, gonna, he's going to be going up against probably a mixture of Sauce Gardner, the number three overall pick this past draft, and DJ Reed, who's also been a really good cornerback for the Jets. And so... I hope that the combination of La, of uh, not Lafleur of Lazard and Rogers can show those guys what real players look like. Hit some quick slants to Lazard to sort of get Sauce or DJ, you know, pressured, feeling like they need to stop those, and then hit a big fade. That's what I want to see. Lazard has been really, really good these past few weeks. He's just a consistent guy, and so watch him in this game. I think I think he deserves recognition and the second guy tj slayton i'm trying to mix things up here i'm trying to go with guys i haven't gone with before and tj slayton was an absolute menace in the preseason and then he had a really good game last week so maybe maybe he can carry that over okay he's going to be a big part of stopping the jets run game stopping Brees hall so watch tj slayton see how he performs those are my players to watch for you that is what i have for you i hope you enjoyed this episode um sort of a weird week coming back from London for the Green Bay Packers but the bottom line is that they need to win this game and then they go on uh, I believe a four game road trip something like that 
So this is a game they need to get. No excuses. You absolutely have to win this one. Oh, baby. It always sucks when you lose because then you feel really nervous about the next game. But that is what I have for you. As always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. And until next time, Go Pack Go! Go!